You are listening to Purgatory with Dr. Michaela Darkson. I'm Michaela Darkson, Dr. Michaela Darkson. I'm a podiatrist, and today I have all these beautiful ladies here. Everyone's a doctor. And we are doing a project with Not Your Mama's 50 in conjunction with Liddell Productions, which is a Henry Miner, my partner. So I'm going to have every doctor introduce herself. So we're going to start. Hello, my name is Dr. Dorothy Chair Carter. I'm a dermatologist, and I'm also president of the Sydney Roman Medical Society here in Dallas. Hello, I'm Dr. Tolu Bakari. I am a urologist and a, a male infertility specialist on microsurgery. Um, thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Dr. Tracy Banks. I'm an obstetrician gynecologist and I'm president of Adriatica Women's Health. Hi, my name is Dr. Ruth Rumala and I'm also an OBGYN and I am the hostess of the Pretty Thing podcast, A Modern Woman's Guide to Health and So Much More. Hi, I'm Dr. Benicia Williams. I'm a physical medicine rehabilitation physician, and I specialize in sports medicine and interventional spine. It is going to awesome, huh? So, oh, one, more, um, one more. I got one more. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get the camera, but I'm <laughs> Hi, my name is Dr. Tutsunola Shirley. I'm a dermatologist and a dermatologist. And again, these women are fantastic. So, we just finished a Photo shoot, we'll have something special for you in a little bit, but we just wanted to talk a little bit about medicine. And so I'm going to ask you guys, uh, we were talking about marketing and social media earlier. So how important do you think social media is for your practice in, 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 in marketing? How many of you use social so media? So I can um, I can answer that. I am the owner of my practice. I'm a solo OBGYN. So... I am a recent owner and I've really just started. So social media is huge for me because that's a way that I can actually portray like who I am as a woman first and then as a physician also. So I'm able to share so much with my patients. And you know, I have a passion for health literacy, which is just translating what doctors say to how patients think. And so I use my platform in that way because I'm able to discuss things that, you know, my patients ask me questions about all the time. And I go into those conversations with uh, the uh, patients at, at large. And I think it's kind of hard, I would say, for all of us, right? Because you don't, you're not quite sure where that, you know, nebulous lie between, or line between liability, where you're liable for what you say, and the fact that she says this is your specialty, right? So I think that's hard for us. But you know, the last Surgeon General recently said that social media is a platform for physicians to be able to communicate with the public. So I don't know what you guys think. It is that. tricky. It's tricky because if you say if you give advice, it may be ill advice. You you don't want to give advice. You want to, but then you don't. So you just don't. You might like you don't know what you're being held liable for. How long have you been in practice? So I've only been in practice since June of 2019. So not practice, but in my own okay. practice. Yeah. But your Instagram is that her Instagram. I do. I am on Facebook as doc. I have two pages, but I really don't use my marketing. Let me ask you something. What is something in your practice that irks you about patients? What was no? I'll say. What is there something about that you want the general public to know about us? I'll take that one. Okay. <laughs> um, because traditionally, a lot of doctors don't know how to use social media, and mm -hmm. only um, experience we have with it is through patient reviews. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, the patient may put on health grades or 
uh, find a doc or whatever, they'll put a review about us on there and it's only one-sided. And because of HIPAA and, and privilege, we can't really tell the true story behind what the patient put on social media. So that's one of the perks I, I don't like is that we can't be truthful and honest when there's a review that's not so positive and we can't tell the real story. That's probably why I say I'm crunk. On the other hand of things, I've gotten a number of patients who are like, well, you know, I found you on such and such blog or I've heard about you on such and such uh, website or this mom group or whatever. And so I think that it has the potential to go both ways, and especially in dermatology where it's the science of what you look like. It's hair, skin, and nails. And so, you know, it's, people are looking on these social platforms to see what you can make them look like sometimes. I think it's probably very much underutilized in medicine. I'm, I, for my, myself, I don't use it enough and I need to. Um, I think Rufy does a really good job, does an excellent job of using it, and I aspire to do more like she does. I, I know, I don't, I don't have, I, I don't even have an Instagram page, and I don't <laughs> have specific information. Let me tell you, she is, she is a firecracker, she's awesome. <laughs> so her yeah. And I'm, I'm definitely afraid of the liability yeah. um, that comes with it. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I certainly have a lot of interesting things to say on social media, especially with my specialty, the urology and male infertility. It's a relatively unknown uh, subspecialty that's male infertility. There's a lot of men out there that don't know that there's something called a male infertility specialist. Mm -hmm. So I do feel a sense of responsibility to fill in that gap. But at the same time, there's a little bit of apprehension about what the liability could be for mm -hmm. me. And that's a, exactly a why you should have a patient because <laughs> people need to know. Yeah. Well, and what about you, Ms. Quiet? Dr. Quiet. Dr. Quiet. Well, you know, um, we actually had this discussion at a recent conference and so the pros and cons of social media as physicians because as a physician, actually one of your roles when in training is to educate your peers mm -hmm. and to educate your patients. And so, so many of this, like so many women on this platform are doing, they're educating through social media. However, there there are pitfalls with social media, just like anything else in life. Um, so, if you, if you make a comment about a specific disorder and someone takes it as little um, advice, then you know you you're held liable unless you give an ex explicit disclaimer yes, on your page right. that Which says we all this do. is not right. This is not medical yeah, advice. This right. is used for you know, yeah, education purposes, this is generalized, please see uh, a physician. And then um, someone like me, I'm interested uh, not only in um, hair, skin, and nails uh, from a dermatologic standpoint, but also the science behind it. So I also do dermatic pathology. Um, so sometimes when I post my images, that also puts me in a quandary because other people can use my images mm -hmm. and post it as theirs, and they might not be using it appropriately. Mm -hmm. So um, you you sort of have to really dot your um, dot your eyes and cross your t's when you ent enter that zone. Um, and I think it's important for us to also educate our patients about that that not everyone on social media right. is exactly who they say they are. Yes, that's Everybody's a dermatologist. I have a twin who's a psychologist, but there are a lot of people that, that are um, uh, counselors that act as... Right. Uh, call them, uh, uh, Facebook philosophers? Yes. <laughs> so careful, you have to be so careful because a doctor such and such that you are not, yeah. you know, not a licensed psychologist or a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. But speaking right. of education, it's one thing that I can't stand 
is when my patients have already Googled what oh, they think it is. Yeah, I Google. And they, when I try to tell them about their diagnosis mm -hmm. and they want to tell me better, I'm like, why even come to me? So <laughs> well, I actually have a different I have a completely different I actually tell my patients to Google it. Yeah. So when you, you come do. in, you can tell me the crap you saw on Google. <laughs> and I can tell them. I can fix it. Because yeah. the truth of the matter is, Patients will right. Mm -hmm. So it's better yeah. that they I actually test them to Google and come back to right. me and yeah. call me if they need some clarification. Right. Because especially with you know me dealing with pregnancy and intimate parts of a woman, you're mm -hmm. gonna hear people are gonna tell you like you know if you see a drop of blood while you take a um, birth control pills that you know you're growing a tumor. I mean there are little things yeah. like, you know, like you <laughs> see that. And there's so much miscommunication. Not true, but patients read it, and if I haven't invited them to go ahead and ask me when you've actually looked at this mis misconstrued stuff, mm -hmm. then they go ahead and they keep like they think that oh my doctor didn't do a right good job mm -hmm. or this isn't yeah. why didn't they pick this up? Mm -hmm. You know, lots of patients come in and they say I haven't seen a doctor my whole life, and I've had fibroids. Why hasn't my doctor ever found my fibroids? Well, your fibroids are 0 0.5 centimeters of mucosal fibroids. Nobody can ever find it on exam, mm -hmm. right? So I have to be able to tell them that because they'll go on that page, mm -hmm. uh, doctor's um, um, Google page or health mm -hmm. page and be like, my doctor sucks, minus one sucks. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why. So they have to, trust. So they have yeah. to right. when they yeah. go to Google, then you tell them the correct information. Right. There has to be a level of trust that they trust you that what right. you're saying is yeah. true. And so. I think that's a good spot to talk about the social media again. There's so much miseducation out there. We yes. could use mm -hmm. that space yes. to help educate yeah. that's, what, that's what the Surgeon right. General was saying, right. Right. Yes. to flood your to flood the, the the space with real information, right? Not information that is like not evidence based, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, we all practice evidence based medicine. Yes, Everybody that sits on this on, on this yes, couch, right. and that means that we're looking from a, a body of literature of people who have systematically studied a condition, a disease, and the treatments yes. for it, and not like you know there are some like random things that you see, for instance that, you know, hair relaxers increase um, fibroids, right? <laughs> that, that, I mean, when I was, a, when I was, a, I just full disclaimer, when I was a medical student, I read that article, I was like, that's why I don't use relaxers. <laughs> but then, at the end of the day, black women have fibroids. Right. Black, black women, women use relaxers. <laughs> Hello, but if you, and if you read the study from a scientific eye, there's so many confounders, meaning there's so many things that could they kind of overlap and they right. could mean something else. It's not, so direct it's cause not a direct thing. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, what about apple so, cider vinegar? And we, we can't, but I cannot, 
I don't cover everything. Mm -hmm. I cover what I'm good at, which is right. evidence-based medicine. Now, if your shot of apple cider vinegar makes you <laughs> worse, it's not hurting you as long as right. you dilute it and your right. esophagus is not being burned. <laughs> that but I don't expect you to take that in, in lieu of your right. insulin right. 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 that's the thing is that yes you can take these complementary things to prevent something from happening or for even secondary prevention of like little things but you can't tell me that you use lavender oil on your condyloma and it's going to go away. Right. Well, I want to ask you something we talked about steaming and then I want to ask you something dermatological uh, how effective is steaming? Is it? Is it? Does it do anything really? So there's steaming no the vagina. Is that yeah. what we're talking about here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the idea you of yoni your no. Okay. The idea of yoni steaming is that you're going to sit on a commode that creates steam that has herbs in it, and the idea is that you're supposed to open up stuff, and you're supposed to preserve the vagina, the cervix, the the um, uterus and, and it claims and it claims <laughs> that it can heal you from endometriosis, fibroids, um, abnormal so uterus. That's a problem right there. Uh, it's like, it's like, like, right? Something fixes like, everything. Yeah. 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 Problem. That's it's how you know. Right. Right. That's the recipe for you to fix anything. So, what does the evidence actually say about yoni steaming? The evidence does not support yoni steaming. It actually says that it increases. The risk of vaginal infection. You think that's a And I, I think she said something very important that needs to be out. Why does it increase infections? More and more. More and more. Yeah. 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 So at the end of the day, I don't come against people that do yoni steaming, but when they come to me, I have lots of fixing for your vaginal Well, when something has multiple different things that it's supposed to fix, the other part of uh, patients researching things that before they come to me and you know I, I always encourage that actually because I think um, they're going to do it just like she said but I also tell my patients to talk to other people that have had their experience mm -hmm. like um, you know when I used to see a lot of prostate cancer patients in residency or in or, you know before my fellowship I would, you know, encourage them before they decide what they're going to do for their prostate cancer, whether it's surgery, radiation, whatever decision they make, to talk to other people that they may know that have had that disease. And because I find that patients feel better about their outcome when they feel like they made the choice. So whether their prostate cancer is cured with surgery or not, the, the fact that they decided to go through surgery makes them feel like that was their choice and they feel more empowered. So but, let me ask you, what, uh, a majority of your patients, white or black, and at what stage of cancer do you find uh, the minorities come in? So I don't, I don't deal with cancer as much anymore because now I'm specialized in male infertility, but you're right. Um, there's a ten, and whether there's data behind this or not is, you know, there's still, there's some data actually showing that um, African-American men may come to you later, probably because of um, issues with um, healthcare access 
Um, the other part of this is, you know, patients tend to go to who looks like them, right? Mm -hmm. And so if there's not enough of people that look like mm -hmm. us, um, they're not going to come to you as much. I mean, obviously, this, we still treat a lot of prostate cancer in African-American men and, um, and in uh, Caucasian men and Asian men and all that. But there's actually recently at one of our conferences, there was data presented that African-American men, for some reason, choose radiation um, over, uh, over surgery. Mm -hmm. Whether that's a cultural thing or the fear of having surgery in general, or you know, whether it's the counseling, you know, there's questions of why that is happening. But that is a known thing that they do tend to choose radiation. Were we gonna say Dr. Banks? Okay. <laughs> so okay, let's talk about. You know, we're trying to hit a little bit of everything right because we go, we're gonna close this up again. We are going to uh, have a podcast each doctor because they have so much to say and hopefully maybe we'll all get on our, our social media game and start getting I guess and um I guess really uh do you see a disparity between uh, African American women African American women, uh, Latino women and white women um during stages of pregnancy? They're, they're, well, there's some studies that came out recently that show that um, a lot of African-American women, their voices aren't heard when they come with a complaint. Mm -hmm. And so they tend to, disease tends to progress in that population mm -hmm. where they don't get the treatment they need. Maternal mortality is yeah. highest in African-American yeah. women. And um, a lot of that's because, they, you know, maybe their concerns are blown off and not taken seriously. So I've actually had a lot of patients ask me about that recently, like, mm -hmm. who's going to be my advocate? I said, well... We look alike, so I'm right. here in your corner because mm -hmm. I hear you and I hear where you're coming from. Have you had that? You do. The most common dermatological disease uh, issues that you see in your office. Why don't you start? Sure. Um, acne. <laughs> <laughs> you too? Um, I see plenty of acne, but I also see plenty of uh, hair loss. I see lots of eczema. I see lots of discombination. Okay, stop you right there. We're going to talk about our ages in hair loss. <laughs> and acne. <laughs> what's the best advice for us to keep our skin acne free? Well, um, I would definitely start off by busting a couple of myths, if you guys don't mind. Um, one, I, I would ask my patients, my acne-prone patients, to stop using coconut oil mm. on their face, um, heavy yes. emulsifiers <laughs> on their face. You know, acne is a process, it's it's multifaceted, but it generally involves inflammation, um, sort of clogging up your pores and sweat glands, and then it comes to sort of negative cycle. And you know, there's different bacteria involved in that, and we can talk about the microbiome of our skin all day, but um, just to simplify it, you know, think about inflammation and sort of clogging your pores. And so, you know, things that feel heavy to you or in your hands are not, you know, probably not good for your face. Mm -hmm. And you? So, as far as acne? No. Or as far as edges. Edges. When we get his braids too tight, we wear the wigs. Gotta lay those edges down. Killing those follicles. Yes. Well, I think the first rule of hair loss is when you see it, get it evaluated, do something about it. So a lot of women wait too long, and I've seen women whose head it looks like the back of my hand. At that point, I really can't do anything for you. But when it's very early, then we have to figure out what is the process. Is it something that you are causing, whether it's the pulling from braids or the rubbing from a hairpiece 
or if it's just the way that you style your hair. Mm -hmm. So um, we have to figure out what's the underlying cause, or is it something intrinsic? Are you just inflamed and it's killing off the hair? Because I think a lot of times uh, we, black women, don't go because we get all of our potions and you know, you're about right. to get some olive oil or yeah. get some put on your hair. Their hormones, yeah, yeah. 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 hormones, yeah. but it's a more like, oh, it's great. It's not, and I have people bring their hairdresser into the office with them, oh, and I'm just like, wait, no, what? Yeah. <laughs> and you, and I want to oh, my for black women, especially, you have nothing right. to be ashamed of when if you're experiencing a medical condition, exactly. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. come see yeah. someone who looks it's like especially gynecological issues when you know you have a discharge or something's not right. You are trying to go to the drugstore and get this and that. Go see your doctor and men too. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 don't be ashamed of your fertility mm -hmm. issues. Right. Don't be ashamed and if you have something going up. on. Yeah. Yeah. And I post this with uh, Kiva mine, and I see and, and I get blocked on um, Instagram and Facebook all the time. <laughs> Those uh, splits that claim they will heal your bunions and hematomas, they <laughs> do not. It is a lie. And I get on there and say, you should be sued. You should blah, blah, blah. That's not true. It won't cure you. <laughs> so thank you so much. Can again. I say one thing yes, too about low back pain? If I've had this happen two times this week, if you are getting weakness and you have bowel and bladder incontinence, that is an emergency. Please go to the ER and demand an MRI. Oh, oh no, sorry, I don't want to sorry. One more time. The, the your sports medicine decision. Mm -hmm. Low back pain. Low back pain. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I see the most. Oh, we just because. Oh my gosh, I know people have those. Um, those those tables that turn you upside down and trashing all the time. Yeah, I tell my patients, I'm like, hey, if it makes you feel better, go ahead and do it. <laughs> Ultimately, it's not going to change the pathology of your back. Mm -hmm. um, and it also depends on what's causing your back pain. There's several different things. But if you have back pain that is unrelenting, it's been longer than six weeks, it's running down your leg, you're getting numbness and tingling, you need to probably see a um, practitioner. And I people are so scared of back surgery. People think they're oh. not. So I am a non-operative um, physician. So I do everything I possibly can to keep a person from trying to have surgery, including I'm a big proponent of physical therapy done right. It is, helps very much. Um, medications, be it an NSAID, or sometimes you even have to do an opioid for a short amount of time if the pain is that bad. And then also interventional spine precision, um, procedures such as epidural steroid injections. Yeah. So I wanted to say something before we end, which is that, you know, I think there's a new generation of physicians, which I'm really excited about. And this generation of physicians um, are sitting right here, right? That, that they look like you, they think like you, right. talk like that you. So and I think right. that it is really important for mm -hmm. anyone that is considering going into medicine to really go after it because we need more people that represent the general population because you're going to be able to understand what your patients are saying to you much more than anyone else and that's your big right. factor. Yes. Yeah. 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 something that nobody yeah. totally has. You can understand the black woman's who come in and they say, oh, well, my doctor told me to wash my hair every day. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, let me work with you. So, and it's okay. Shampoo it every day. Shampoo it every day. And when, so, you, when you guys, when you see this. It's okay to ask. When you see this on um, social media, I'm like, we're going to introduce ourselves again. Feel free to comment. And if you have something you want to ask us, I will direct you to, to everyone. And, um, and again, we'll be doing individual podcasts with this doctor. So if you have a, a ton of questions, 
we'll, they'll, we'll have it available to you, and they'll have it available, available on their social media because everybody's going to step their social media game up. Is lit. What's your Instagram handle? I got a m dot b r dot a r u m a l a. That's my last name. That was too fast. Too fast. I am Dr. Arumala. I am Dr. Arumala. Yes, that's me. Say it again. I dot a m dot b r dot a r u m a l a. Okay. So I am Dr. Michaela Darcy. I am a podiatrist, foot and ankle specialist. I'm Dr. Dorney Chia Carter, dermatologist, and my handle is Dallas Skin Doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Tolu Bakare. I'm a urologist, male infertility specialist, a microsurgeon, and I do not have a handle yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> We're going to handle that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dr. Tracy Banks. I'm an obstetrician gynecologist, and my handle is Bankable Health Tips. Yay. And oh, I'm Dr. Ruth Arumala, and I'm an OPYN in Mansfield, Texas. My, I have two handles, but I'll only talk about my one that's popping. I am Dr. Benicia Williams. I'm a physical medicine and rehabilitation specializing in sports medicine and interventional spine. You can find me at Dr. Benicia Williams on Facebook. And I am Dr. Titi Lola Shode. I go by Lola though. Um, and I am a dermatologist as well as a dermatopathologist. I don't have a professional handle yet, but we'll, we'll, that will be coming soon. Okay. <laughs> okay. You can find me at www.pmrfortworth.com. All right. And again, um, uh, not your mama's 50. And Liddell Productions. And I partner with Henry Minor. So when you see him soon, he is awesome. Thank you so much for your time. That was awesome. Oh my God, I feel so much smarter after listening to that. I mean, wow.